honestly, I was just working my way up to death. I thought about killing myself every day. I was using all the time, and I, that's not a sustainable lifestyle. My brother shot himself because of drugs. When you are using technology to lure children for sexual purposes, there's a couple of problems that concern me. But I remember feeling kind of relieved after hurting myself. Do you have any idea how much you were worth? I like to say it this way, great people are really built in the furnace of affliction. Our teens are navigating a world of information anarchy and increased stress and pressure. Drugs are glorified more than ever before and there seems to be a suicide option that didn't exist prior. As adults, we are responsible to provide the help at-risk teens need. Have teens changed or is it just the world they live in that's different? Is this why so many teens are traumatized or triggered? My name is Aaron Huey and in 2009, I opened a home for these teens with the hopes of giving them a second chance at creating the life we all know they deserve. Now I wanna give parents the information that contributed to our success and to support them in navigating the at-risk world. These are the stories told by the teens and the techniques used by experts to help them. Welcome to Beyond Risk and Back. Hey, for those of you uh, watching this episode on Binge TV or on YouTube, I know, I know, I shaved the beard. I'm getting the whole thing growing back in. It's just a little, little peach fuzz right now. Uh, this, this episode called The Dad in the Restaurant is uh, about an experience that I seem to have a lot. And I think my, my daughter, who you know, Maya, who's co-hosted a, a few of episodes with me, my wife, uh, and even my son could... Uh, uh, verify that these types of things happen and and I think uh, I think some people call this being a shit magnet but I seem to be there when um, things happen when things go down I'm one of those guys who's driving and, and sees the rollover accident or the uh, uh, the rare animal on the side of the road um, and more often than not recently I am the person who's there in public where a parenting uh, mishap goes down and an intervention is uh, not required, not necessary, but uh, possible. And the story I want to tell you guys today is about uh, a dad in a restaurant that I didn't intervene on. I didn't intervene because I had my daughter back for Thanksgiving. My wife and my daughter, we were, we were sitting there. Uh, she was home from college. We're sitting there in a restaurant and this dad and this son got into it. And, and I'll tell you the, the story in a minute. Um, but sometimes even when my daughter's there and in recently, we were just out in Maine to see my in-laws and everything. And we were at the grocery store and this poor couple, uh, these two moms and their adopted son were just getting into it. And the son was just wreaking havoc on the situation. And when he finally stormed out of the place, I went over to offer support and love and a business card for this podcast to the moms. And um, I, I tend to be the kind of guy who intervenes on things. I didn't on this one. And I spent some time wondering if I should have, if I should have, or if I was just well enough to mind my own business in, in this situation. But either way, I want to tell you what happened. Because as parents, when we, when we see situations like this, if we don't use them as learning opportunities, then we're doomed to repeat the same mistakes. 
Now, this was not a violent situation. This was not an abusive situation. This was just a dumb parenting situation. And I, I will start with the worst thing I've heard, with, with the worst thing I heard this dad say to his kid. Um, so you'll see, I'm putting it in context, but I'm going to start with the worst thing he said to his kid, and then we'll work backwards from there. He said, in a few years, you're going to be in college and you won't receive support from anyone. So that's, that's as bad as it got. The problem with this situation, as I was sitting next to this dad, was it kept going. It had gone on a long time before that, and it kept on going after that. So thanks for joining me this week on Beyond Risk and Back. This episode is called The Dad in the Restaurant. All right. <laughs> so I'm sitting there at this, at this uh, um, pho place, and, and I love pho. I, I, had, a, I had a nice boon bowl, um, the extra large one with the with the fried egg rolls in it. And I was just mowing down on those noodles. Love, love. Um, and there was a family sitting next to me. It was a dad, his mother, um, and his daughter and his son. His son looked to be around 13, 14 years old. And the whole thing, the entire conversation began and ended and kept orbiting and satelliting around the child's use of the cell phone at the dinner table. Now, this dad had taken all four of these people out to eat. Uh, not a fancy restaurant, but uh, in Boulder, everything is expensive. So it's an expensive meal. And um, mom's sitting next to him, daughter's sitting uh, across from him, and son's sitting directly in front of him across from him. And it starts with, hey, put your phone down. And the kid's saying, why? And it just went south from there. And the meal was constantly interrupted. The, the consistent uh, um, nagging and harassment from the parents, the constant refusal and creating power struggles from the son, um, it continued for an hour. And in my mind, there were a thousand ways to end it. There were a thousand ways for this conversation to last five seconds and everybody to just eat their meal in peace. And they didn't, they weren't talking under their breath. Hey kid, put your, put your phone down. Okay. We're, we're trying to have a meal. These, he was hollering at his kid across the table and everybody in the restaurant was, was involved. Even my daughter knew what to do differently. My wife kept looking at me like, yeah, okay. All right. Don't say anything. But had I said something, she'd have been fully supportive of it. In fact, I think she kind of likes it when I do interventions in public. But anyway, back, back to the story. Um, the kid is not a faultless victim here. The kid was being a jerk. He, he was, um, anytime the father said, hey, put the phone away, the kid said no. The kid said why. The kid said, I'm almost done. The kid said, let me finish this. Let me get to the next level. I'm not at the save point yet. Uh, I'm just watching a quick video. Um, here, look at this. And then when the dad would finally get mad enough, the kid would drop the phone into his lap and things would be fine for a couple minutes. And then the kid's forehead would drop because he's staring at the phone in his lap and you see his arms moving in his lap like like the child's crotch is really so interesting that he's staring into his lap and the dad would know it 
and he would let it build. And then the kid would slowly be raising the phone up and up until he's staring at it straight in front of the dad's face again. And then the dad would just get mad all over again. And the whole power struggle would begin in earnest yet again. Now, first things first, you make agreements with your child about the use of electronics when things are good. You employ consequences when the good things aren't happening. Now, when I say you, you set up these agreements when things are good, is that you don't wait and you need to stop, parents, stop waiting until things are bad before you decide on consequences, before you uh, uh, invoke your power of parent. You do that when things are going good. Hey, look, things have been going really good in the family in this, this past week. And I'm, I'm just, I just want to say thank you to, to, the, to my kids. I love you guys so much. We're doing so great. Things have been awesome. And while things are awesome, I want us to have a conversation about the use of technology at the dinner table. Okay, because um, I feel like dinner is a great time for connecting and dinner is an amazing time for us to be together. And I'm not interested in having YouTube or 9gag or any uh, Facebook, Pinterest, uh, Instagram, anything else at the dinner table with our family, just our family. So here are the expectations I have for dinner. Number one, no one, not parents, not kids, no one's going to have their phones at the dinner table. And if we struggle with this, then we will employ some consequences. And consequences I'm thinking about are blankety blank, 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 blank. And then you, what do you guys think about uh, dinner phones at the dinner table? Tell me your thoughts. And you have that conversation with your kids and your spouse, your parenting partners, when things are going well. Why? Uh, because it's dumb to make Big parenting decisions when you're pissed off, stressed out, angry at your kids, resentful, and uh, not good at holding boundaries because you are not in your best place. So to end this conversation with this kid in one sentence would be to look at him and say, hey, kiddo, it's really important to me that we have a family dinner right now. So I am happy to either hold your phone for you until after dinner, or you may leave it in the car. Which would you choose? And when the kid pushes back on that and tries to create a power struggle, you listen and you say, I know. And what did I say? Now, what I've done in that very simple uh, a statement and sentences is a few things. Number one, I've offered choices. Hey kiddo, I'm willing to hold on to your phone or you can leave it in the car. I'm good with either, which would you choose? So I'm sharing power. I'm sharing choices. I'm not just being an authoritarian jerk saying, give me your phone or go put your phone away. Cause putting your phone away and putting your phone in your lap are two different things. Away in your lap is not away. But I've offered two things. Now I have to hold that boundary as a parent. I have to say, and what did I say? When the kid says, look, I'm just, I got to finish my video game. I know. And what did I say? Now, if I come back with, I know, and what did I say? The kid's going to react to my emotional state. So saying it the way I said it the first time, I know. And what did I say? Is a very neutral, emotionless parenting experience. Emotionless parenting sounds worse off than it is. I think it's actually a very great thing. I'm not saying don't have emotions. I'm saying don't parent with them. 
Don't let your emotions be your parenting process. Don't let it be the, the fuel for the decisions you make and the consequences you deliver and the responses you give. I'm saying, have your emotions, but parent from intellect, parent from wisdom, parent from love. So when the kid says, okay, I'm almost at a safe point, okay? How long is it gonna take you to make the safe point? I'm willing to give you three minutes. Other than if you can't make it then, just go ahead and turn them off now, okay, kiddo? If the experience, if the pushback, if the continuum of this power struggle moves forward, then I have to be much more clever than a 12, 13, 14-year-old boy. But what this father did was say, hey, put your phone down. We're eating dinner. And the kid would go, why? I'm, I'm watching this video. It's almost over. It's almost over. One minute. One minute. Dad, one minute. One minute, Dad. I, I know that if, I'm, if you're a parent and you're listening to me say that, and it's getting on your nerves, I'm going to do it again. Okay, one minute. Okay, one minute. It's almost over. One minute. Mom, mom, mom. Why do I have, mom, why do I have to do this? Why? Mom, why? And if you're starting to feel energy in your chest and your belly with me doing that, you know exactly what I'm talking about. The energy that we have behind that, we start to parent from. You can't do that. That, that energy belongs to you, not your child. And the moment you, hey, don't you talk to me like that. Enough. Hey, stop it. Put the phone away. Put it away or I'm taking it. Put it away now. Now, they're not reacting to what I'm saying. My child is not going to be defensive. The power struggle is not going to be about the logic I have of wanting to connect with my family over dinner. It's going to be about the tone of my voice. The reaction is going to be about how I am delivering, which is not what I want my child to focus on. I want my child to focus on the consequences of their actions. I want my child to focus on the actions that they are having or, 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 or the actions that they are taking and the impact that it has. But if I'm being pissed off and angry and yelling at my kid in public, they are going to be defensive. That's natural human behavior. If some stranger walks up to me, it's like, hey, I don't like your t-shirt. I'm going to get defensive because that's natural human behavior. To expect our kids to be different than natural humans and to have something different than natural human behavior and reactions to their own parents? You know, that voice that this kid's been listening to 12, 13, 14 years? He's been listening to this. Now, let me tell you, both this father and this kid look like really intelligent people. If I was to guess this father was an engineer, mechanical, computer, an engineer. He, he looked like a very intelligent man, held himself very well. He was dressed very nice. Um, and the kid did too. The kid did not, neither of these two people look like a slouch. So the kid drops the phone, phones back up five minutes later. Dad yells at the kid. The kid argues with the dad. The dad makes a threat. I'll take it away. I'll smash it. You won't get your Christmas gifts. Nothing that this dad's actually going to follow through on unless he gets really, really pissed off and does something drastic. And then the kid's going to react to, and of course, we've just talked about that. The kid's going to react to the anger not to the consequence. The kid will take no responsibility for their actions. Why? Because you're screaming at a child in public. You're smashing their personal belongings in public. That's why. They're gonna to react to that. So, my headset's all messed up. There we go. <laughs>
So, drops the phone, argues with the dad, takes a few bites of food, stares at his lap, phone floats back up, dad yells at the kid, kid argues with the dad, dad makes threats, kid drops the phone into his lap, takes a few bites. This went on and on and on. Now I noticed something else going on at this point too. I noticed that the mother, the dad's mother, the grandma, and the daughter didn't say a word. 30 minutes into the meal, they hadn't said a word. But the frustration and the tension that both the, the, the grandmother and the daughter had, this was not a family dinner anymore. This was a boxing match between a 13-year-old boy and his father and two bystanders. So even if the dad was trying to create a family meal, and, and I can understand the dad's frustration. I'm not saying he shouldn't be frustrated. But if, he, if, if he's not establishing the agreements beforehand when he's in a calm, rational, logical space, if he's not delivering consequences with love and empathy and appreciation for how important cell phones have become to the youth, have become to adults, and he's paid for this meal for his family, and it's being interrupted by probably a really old argument that they have at probably most meals. I certainly understand he's frustrated. But he didn't do anything about it except argue and continually go down the same path. that we, there's, a, there's a quote I love that says, if, here it is, if the rule you followed led you to this, of what use is the rule? This is on the, the cover of our Parents, hand, parents Weekend Handbook, the, the workbook I give the parents when they come to their Parents Weekend. Anton Chiger, Chiger C-H-I-G-U-R-H. I, I, I've butchered his last name already. If the rule you have followed led you to this, of what use is the rule? So I bet I'm willing to put money down on the table that this father had been going through this exact same process at most meals and has accomplished exactly zero other than escalating his own threats as, at his kid to the point where he says to the kid, if I take that phone away, what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do about your schoolwork and your homework? And the kid says, well, I'm building my computer. And the dad says, well, you don't have enough money to build your computer if I take your allowance away. And the kid says, well, Christmas money's coming up. And the dad says, you're not going to get anything for Christmas if you don't start listening to me and show some respect. And the kid said, then I guess I'll just have to wait till I go to college. And the dad said, when you go to college, you're going to college in a few years. And when you're going to go, you will receive no support from anyone. And I looked at my daughter who's currently in college and, and who I'm supporting and, and my son who's in college and who I'm supporting. We have agreements about, about supporting them while they're in college and what our expectations are. And what my daughter said to me later about this was, if you had threatened me by telling me that I was going to be in college in a few years and I wasn't going to receive support from anyone, I wouldn't want to go to college. And that's exactly what I thought when the dad said that. Well, now that kid doesn't want to go to college. Of course, none of this is permanent because none of this is real. He's angry and he's just saying whatever floats into his mouth. He's opening his mouth and crap is coming out. 
This dad at the restaurant was engaging in a power struggle with a 13-year-old boy in public. I don't see the logic to that. Nah, I look, folks, I work with the kids who thrive in power struggles, okay? Because when the parents are power struggling and the schools are power struggling and the comps are power struggling, they come and stay at my facility. And this morning, I have these girls who don't want to wear their Kung Fu uniforms during Kung Fu. And that's a boundary I have. And they just, they, every, every Monday and Wednesday when I walk in to teach Kung Fu, they're like, Aaron, I'm not going to wear my Kung Fu uniform. Are you going to let me participate? And they're egging me on for the power struggle. They want the power struggle. Do you know why a teenager wants a power struggle with you? Because they can win. You want to know why? Because it's insanity the way they argue. And logic cannot win against insanity. And that is the truly insane piece, is when a smart parent thinks that they can argue and be smarter and out-argue a crazy 13-year-old. And by crazy 13-year-old, I mean a 13-year-old. They're all crazy. Have you met a teenager? They're nuts. Their brains are in a complete hormone redevelopment dump. And so I walk in and the first thing the kids see me walking in my Kung Fu uniform and the girl's like, Aaron, I'm not wearing my Kung Fu uniform today. And they're waiting for it. They're waiting to see it because folks, I've been doing this a long time. I have, I've had a lot of teenagers argue a lot of different things with me. I've worked with thousands of children and they're looking for the win. They're looking to out argue Aaron. And I look at him and I say, well, that's a choice. And they're stunned. They don't know what to say. Can I still participate? What are my boundaries? Well, you said that if I can't, right. I'm happy for you to watch. I don't understand. I know. And what did I say? Ugh, this is so dumb. I know. And what did I say? I know what you said. Okay. Well, I'm just going to watch you take notes. Okay. You know what the consequence is? They're going to fail my class. That's the consequence. What do I do if that consequence doesn't matter to my kid? You know why consequences don't matter to kids? Is because parents are constantly trying to soften the consequence of reality. And that's hard as a parent. Softening the consequence of reality is something that we want to do because we are designed to protect our kids. And it's so frustrating when they fight us on that. Look, how was that dad protecting his kid in the restaurant by wanting him to put his phone away? Because connection at dinner is important. Family connection. What this, what this father desired was honest and true and loving. I want us to connect as a family and I want to take the family out and I want us all to have fun and laugh. And he has a vision, especially if he's an engineer. He's thinking in pictures. He has a vision of how this perfect dinner is going to go. And it's not going that way. And what he wants is a gift of love. I want to buy you food. I want to provide for you and the rest of my family with the hard work that I do. And now this 13-year-old is sabotaging it. This 13-year-old is rejecting the father's gift. And of course, he's going to be pissed off. What happened in martial arts today was one of the girls who didn't want to uh, participate did something while class was going on that was very frustrating for me. And I stopped class and I said, I'm very frustrated right now. 
I said, that's not your problem. My feelings are not your responsibility. But I feel that if I don't verbalize the fact that I feel very frustrated right now, that we're going to not have a good relationship. And I really love you a lot. And I want us to have a good relationship. So I'm just saying out loud, I'm frustrated. Is that okay? And she goes, yeah. I said, great. And I went back to teaching class. And I had dealt with my feelings. I had told her I was frustrated. But I didn't try to make her responsible for my feelings. This dad's feelings of frustration, he wanted his kid to feel so that the kid, out of guilt, out of shame, out of remorse, put his phone down and joined the family for dinner. But what the father offered instead was a power struggle. And teenagers thrive on power struggle. And the moment the kid started saying, why do I have to put my phone down? Other kids get to eat with their phones up. The dad says things like, well, other kids aren't you. And what I want you to do is put your phone down. I'm almost done with this level. You're always almost done with the level. And he started chasing the kid. And the kids love the chase me game. I'll take your phone away. I bought this phone, dad. Well, then all you need to listen to me. If you want me to support you later in life, then you need to follow my rules now. Oh, those are just fighting words. I'm willing to hold your phone or you can put it in the car. I'm good with either. But if this dad and this kid in a good moment haven't established the boundaries about dinner and the consequences of violating the boundaries, then it's just a game of threats. It's just a challenge me, chase me game. The worst thing that the dad did, I told you what the worst thing the dad said. The worst thing the dad did was then pull out his own cell phone later in the meal. Folks, I'm going to end this podcast by saying this. If you can think of some life change you made as a child, because of some argument or some lecture your parents gave you. I need you to email me and tell me what it was. But in all the years of working with families, I've never met a parent whose life was changed or altered by a lecture. We do what was modeled for us, or we don't do what was modeled for us. We learn from what our parents do and don't do. And we will or will not do as a parent based on what our parents did or did not do. It's about the modeling. It's not about what you say. Your children will never remember what you say. They will remember how they feel. They will remember what you do. And they will remember what you don't do. Because when this father pulled out his phone, he lost. That's the dad in the restaurant. Maybe I should have intervened. He certainly was a pretty agitated man. He didn't hit the kid. He didn't call the kid names. He never said anything abusive. But both he and the kid acted like jerks. And quite frankly, they ruined the daughter's and the grandmother's meal. That whole situation sucked. 
I've been in that situation. I have been that dad. And I'm sure every parent who's listening to this podcast knows exactly what this situation feels like. And that's why I do these podcasts. If we don't learn from this dad, then we're going to just do what he did. That dinner sucked. I want to thank Kristen Walker, the boss goddess at Mental Health News Radio. Radio. You guys, Kristen Walker is an amazing woman and her podcast is incredible. Please check out all the podcasts on Mental Health News Radio. You can go to mentalhealthnewsradio.com. Um, my, uh, my buddy, uh, Steven and, oh my gosh, uh, Johnny Walker, at Kristen's podcast. You guys, check out the podcast that we have. Mental Health News Radio is one of the most supportive networks I've ever seen, and I'm so honored to be a part of it. Uh, Daniel Cropper, my editor, thank you so much for the hard work. He's a great guy. Uh, if you are having struggles with your kid and you think residential care might be what you need, you can contact my facility at 303-443-3343, extension 204. Talk to Kelsey, our amazing admissions director. Um, and you can also go online at firemountainprograms.com. See what we're all about. Take the online assessment. Share this podcast with your friends, with your teachers, with your neighbors. I've been giving a lot of uh, talks at, at schools now. If you think your, your school might be interested in having me coming and talk to the parents about teens and technology, about addiction, about self-harm, about anxiety, about depression, uh, depression, and about parenting kids at risk, please go talk to your counselors, give them my information, and, uh, and reach out to me. I'll be happy if you just say, hey, come talk at my school, contact me, I'll reach out to your counselors in your area and talk with them. Um, my hope is that I'm uh, in 2019 that I work up to a talk at a school per week, not just to get the fan base up of, of uh, beyond risk and back. We got an incredible fan base and I love my parents, teachers and clinicians who listen and write me letters and stuff. But I don't want to just be the, the ounce of cure with this facility, this residential facility where your kid comes and lives for four months. I want to be, I don't want to be just the pound of cure. I want to be the ounce of prevention. If there's something I can say on this podcast that pulls your kid back from the brink, that pulls your family back from the abyss, great. I hope that this is the most connection we have. But if you need more from me, you can find me beyondriskandback.com, firemountainprograms.com. And of course, I'm on Facebook. Look for the bald guy with the goatee. Folks, parents, the rule is you take care of yourselves first. You get off your butt and you go exercise. You get away from the TV. You take a dog for a walk. I'm looking outside my window right now and I'm watching one of my staff members walk their dog. It was a rough day today. We had, it was a rough day at the facility today. And one of my staff members who lives here on property, we have a bunch of staff housing. He's out walking his dog. That's really good stuff to see. That's self-care, not just dog care, because he can open the door and let the dog out in the yard. He's out there walking with the dog. That You take care of yourself first. And then you take care of your adult relationships. Because when you take care of yourself and you start taking care of your parenting partners, your adult relationships, you're in a great space to take care of your kids. And that's why you do that part third. I'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks for joining me on Beyond Risk and Back. 
Thank you for joining us for another episode of Beyond Risk and Back. Join us each week for your connection to experts in adolescent health and wellness, recovery, and responsibility, and also to listen to teens talk about their lives in crisis. For more information on our program for struggling teens or me, please go to firemountainprograms.com, join us on Facebook at Fire Mountain Residential Treatment Center, or at Beyond Risk and Back. Visit our YouTube channel at Fire Mountain RTC for even more support with our parent training videos. Special thanks to Mental Health News Radio for their continued love and support of our program. Please go to mentalhealthnewsradio.com to see all of their podcasts. Feel free to email me at Aaron at firemountainprograms.com.